Colossians chapter 3. I just want to begin by reading just a few verses, beginning in verse 12. And this is what it says. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. On this special day as a church, God, Lord, let us not get in too big of a hurry to move past your word today. Speak to us, Lord. Encourage us. Challenge us. Help us uh, to be formed more and more each day into the image of Christ. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. More than 20 years ago, I met a friend of mine, he's actually, him and his wife have actually been able to be in service with us a few times, uh, but uh, his name was, Ch his name is Chuck, and uh, Chuck was a fellow youth pastor when I was youth pastoring, and Chuck was interesting because he was always known as a sharp dresser. He was someone that um, uh, he could be, he was, especially when it came to church clothes and church suits, and, and he kind of had this reputation as really being able to um, style it out, if you would. And so uh, one of the day, he was, and Chuck and I were friends, and, and we were uh, attending camp meeting, uh, and for those uh, Church of God folks, every year, uh, uh, the state, all the ministers and, and laity would gather in one place, and we would have a week-long camp meeting or revival uh, services and so uh, Chuck lived up near Nashville and I lived in Chattanooga and so we were spending camp meeting and we were hanging out and I said man um, you know he came in that particular night with this um, suit that really stood out because it was lime green okay lime green uh, lime green coat shirt tie even the shoes were lime green and I said, now, Chuck, I can't wear that, but I need you to help me with some styling. I need a new suit. And he said, man, I've got the place for you. And so he took me to downtown Chattanooga. And in downtown Chattanooga, uh, we start looking, and I see some of the brightest, boldest, most uh, beautiful suits. And I'm not as daring as Chuck, so I wasn't going to go that way. Uh, but I did. I found this blue uh, pinstripe suit with an extra long coat, and uh, I really liked it. And so Chuck helped me pick it out. He was like, I'm surprised. That's a little bolder than what I thought you'd go with, Adam. And, uh, but, it, but I really liked it, and so I uh, tried it on. And, of course, you had to have the, the shirt and the Stacey Adams tie to go with it, and so I buy that. And, and then all of a sudden, I asked the question, what am I supposed to wear? Shoes. What, what shoes am I supposed to wear with this? And and so we start looking around, and sure enough, we found these blue leather and suede shoes. 
I was wearing Elvis's blue suede shoes. That's right. And I bought them. And I went into camp meeting that night, and I felt like I was on cloud nine. I felt like I looked good. Remember the styles of the time. That was 20-plus years ago. But that blue suit, it was one of those things. And, and we really, how what we wear really does define how we feel many times, doesn't it? And, and, and how we dress and how we uh, present ourselves really makes an impact. And, I, and that's one of those, I, um, even long after I stopped being able to wear that suit, I, I kept it in my closet just because I really liked that special suit. And when I think about things that we wear, the question that I ask ourselves today is, what are we clothed with today? Because... When we think about clothing, clothing is more than just, obviously, we normally think of fashion, and we think of the latest styles, and, and we think about trends and things that come in or go out of style. But, uh, but when it comes to our spiritual being, we have to understand that there is something that goes well beyond just the external, and it is in the internal. And what God calls us is to be clothed in Christ. He calls us to be clothed in Christ. Now, Paul's word here, when we are looking at this, is he uses that phrase uh, in the, the New King James that I read a moment ago. It said to put on. But I, I want to uh, visit these same, our text and these same verses in the New Living Translation and, and, and listen to how, uh, how this version phrases it. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. The word here is, Paul says, is clothe yourselves. When you get up every single day, we deliberately put on our physical clothes. We choose what we're going to wear based on what we have planned or in store for that day, and many times even what we feel like. But what do we put on in our mind what qualities, what, uh, how do we dress ourselves? The reason that we have to understand and where we need to begin with this understanding is whether we realize it or not, each day that we get up, it's more than just about putting on our physical clothes, but it is about what mindset we choose to put on each and every day. Are we going to be able to say, I'm going to wake up and have a, as the Snickers commercial says, I'm going to be hungry or hangry, or am I going to be sweet and kind? Every day we make a decision about what we will put on. And in fact, that really is the emphasis, one of the main emphases of this entire uh, book, this entire letter to the church at, uh, there in, that we know as Colossians. And so here it is. And we are, if we are as believers, that means that we are new creatures. 
creatures in Christ. We are new, a new man or a new woman, that we are new in him and that we do not be, we're not confined or constrained to the old ways our flesh would always do things. And so if we used to be grumpy or grouchy, if we used to be difficult to deal with, if we used to be bitter and harboring anger, uh, we do not have to be living in that for every day for the rest of our life because Christ came and he said what? We cast off the old man and we put on the new man or the new woman and we are new creatures in Christ and we are not defined by those things any longer. And so we understand that we have to make the decision of how it is that we are going to live each and every day. And in fact, look back at the same chapter. Look at verse 5. In verse 5 of Colossians 3, he says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. And he gives us this list, and he, and he goes on, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. And, he, and, and this list goes on, and, and this, this contrast is created that those things are to be put to death, and that instead we are to put on these things that we've read in our text today. And so the decision that we have to make is are we putting off the old self and the old way of doing things and putting on and clothing ourselves with Christ and with the new way of the new creature that we are, are we recognizing that maybe we have woken up this morning and we feel a little self-centered uh, and we have become a little prideful. Maybe we've woken up and we have found ourselves having to wrestle with this flesh within us and say, no, that is not who has control in my life. But we say to ourselves, I'm going to reject the old way. I'm going to reject the self-centeredness and the selfishness and the pride and all of the, the greed and all of that. I'm going to push off the jealousy and the envy. And I'm going to instead going to put on everything that God wants us to. In Romans chapter 6, he says this in verse 6. He says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives and we are no longer slaves to sin. There are individuals in this room today that we need to make a decision once and for all that we are crucifying the old way of doing things. That we are crucifying those struggles and those temptations. We are crucifying and putting to death the flesh and the fleshly things that keep us apart from God and instead say no, I'm putting to death those things and I'm putting on the godly things because I want to be a new creature in Christ just as he's created me. And so what is it that we are supposed to put on? He gives us this list, and I'm going to kind of, kind of simplify it a little bit. First thing we need to put on is we need to put on compassion. Compassion is kind of I've taken these tender-hearted mercies and the kindness and the, and the gentleness, and we kind of put these things together. We need to clothe ourselves with compassion. In the original text here, the literal language here is that we need to clothe ourselves with the bowels of sympathy. As in, like, the guts, okay? Now, I'm thankful that we don't have to Literally do that. 
for just a moment. Think about phrases that we have today, like, I've got this gut feeling. In the old time and in the biblical tradition, the belief was that the bowels, the gut, was the seat of our emotions. And so that there was that belief, and that's hence we got that gut feeling, and, and we've got to really assess ourselves, what is it that comes out? I heard the story this week, or I read the story, uh, that this little girl, and she was uh, trying to describe uh, the human body to the best of her ability, and she was young and little, and she was three or four, and she said that there's three parts to a person. There's the Branium, there's the Chester, and there's the Abominable Candy. The Branium is where the brain is, the Chester is where your heart is, and the Abominable Candy is where A, E, I, O, and U all live. Some people are a little confused about life in the way that that girl is confused about the human body. You see, we've got to understand what it is that God calls us to live our life with and to express one to another. He calls us to put on compassion. He calls us to put on that sympathy and the empathy that we can have towards one another. Because all of a sudden, when we have compassion with others, our outlook becomes a little different, doesn't it? It's hard to be compassionate upon others and still maintain a selfish mentality. If we find ourselves struggling with self-centeredness, then I challenge us to begin to really make a conscientious effort to put on compassion and be giving to others because it will force our focus away from ourselves and on to others. One of the problems with uh, the current world and generation that we are living in today is that we have created this self-centered society. We are all about how does this impact me? How does this affect me? And, and we become so short-sighted that all we're thinking about as a culture is, uh, is, is, is the impact as, as on us as individuals. But Christ came and is the exact opposite of that. He came not to be served, but to serve. He came and demonstrated compassion upon each and every person that he came in contact with. I don't know how many of you have seen uh, the, uh, the series, The Chosen. Just by a show of hands. Anybody seen The Chosen or any parts of it? Uh, it's a, it's a, you can watch it. It's through an app. It's free. Um, and it is a, I think, I'm only on season one, we, uh, but I think there are several seasons now. But it is a telling of the story of Christ. And in telling the story of Jesus uh, through the eyes of the disciples that he has called, it's amazing to me. One of the things that I have been enjoying or that I have enjoyed about it is the humanity and the life aspect that it brings to the surface. Because it, it takes on this... Uh, this supposing, or this, if you would, this filling in the gaps of what everyday life looked like for Jesus and the disciples. And in that, one of the aspects that I've really enjoyed is, is that the bringing out the compassion and the heart and the life 
and the laughter that he shares with each and every person that he comes in contact with. And if that is who Jesus is, then that is the compassion and the heart that we need to have, and we need to put it on each and every day. If we truly are going to say that we are a new man or a new woman, then we need to make sure that we are living that out, that we're not just saying it, that we're not just being hypocritical with that phrase, but we are living it out at work, we're living it out at home, we're living it out at church, we're living it out when we're running errands, we're living it out at school, we're living that out each and every place that we go, being compassionate towards one another. Now, out of that compassion, this is how it becomes exhibited. Maybe you're thinking, well, I feel compassion, but I love this list. The reason I kind of bundled these together is because of this reason. When we talk about tender-hearted mercy and kindness and gentleness, those become outgrowths or expressions that grow out of a heart of compassion. When we are compassionate towards one another, the kindness and the gentleness and the mercy, and I love even that description in the New Living, the tender-hearted mercy. That we will automatically begin to walk and carry and share those traits with people that we come in contact with. We need to reveal uh, those things as we put them on each and every day. The second thing that we understand is not just we need to be clothed with compassion, but we need to be clothed with humility. Someone once said that the rarest of all Christian virtues is humility. I would argue that it is one of the chief characteristics of Christians because it's the exact opposite of the root of sin, pride. Pride. Do we really regard others better than ourselves? Do we really regard others better than ourselves? We aren't to consider ourselves better or superior to anyone else. And that is, needs to be based on just who we are as individuals. And certainly it must be a part of when we start talking about uh, superiority complexes that are sin when it comes to race or economics or anything else. That we cannot ever come to the point of saying that I have put on the new man, the new creature that I am in Christ, and think for one second that we are better than anyone else based on any qualification or any kind of thought process. We can't think that way with regards to race or economics or actions, and we certainly can't think of ourselves as being better, a better Christian than anyone else. Because all of those things, the root of every single one of those things is pride. And God calls us to be clothed with humility. To be humble. We've all been created to be what? The Bible says that we have been made in the image of God. Not some of us. Not a few of us, and certainly not one race or another, but all of us have been created in the image of God. Wow. And so that means when we are looking at fellow humanity, 
are we looking at? We are looking upon the image of God. We are looking upon the image that God has created them in. And so how dare we ever come to that place of being self-righteous or pointing fingers or anything of that kind. Oh, but rather we need to make sure, oh, that we are able to say, God, here I am, your humble servant, ready to be used by you and demonstrating compassion. So we need to be clothed with compassion and with humility and with forgiveness. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Now, I kind of lumped all of that in one, but... We could make the argument, the very strong argument, that those are really, there's a reason that there's an and there. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. That sometimes we just need to ask God, Lord, help me to be patient with other people. sharing this. Being patient with one another. But the root of this, of course, he leads us to bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Forgiveness is, is one of these areas and issues in our Christian walk that I think sometimes we have the most difficult time with. But we must forgive whatever grievances we have and may have against one another. But what a beautiful thing that forgiveness really is within a believer's heart. And forgiveness does not mean that, uh, that we justify or, or that we excuse whatever has been done wrong. Forgiveness doesn't mean uh, that we have to air the grievance out you know, for all the world to see. Forgiveness does not mean that we have to have a blow-up confrontation. But it also doesn't mean that we just sweep it under the rug and pretend it's not there either. Forgiveness means that we're addressing and we're dealing with and we're coming to this conscientious point of saying that God, this injustice or this unfairness, uh, that how I'm feeling is, is real. And God, I'm laying it before you and I'm choosing this morning to put on the shirt or the pants of forgiveness. It's okay to talk with the Lord about how we feel. Okay to talk with him about that. Yes. And if the situation calls for it, it's okay to have a conversation that you with the person that you are forgiving. But we've got to be able to come to this place of truly forgiving and letting go. And I'm and I'll go ahead and I'm preaching to myself this morning. That there become these moments and these times, you know, you think that you have forgiven and you're all good and your heart is good. And all of a sudden, something happens. Yeah. Something gets said. And all of a sudden, you feel like you've dove right back into the pit of that unforgiveness that you had already let go and closed up. And you realize, oh, there's still some more spiritual work to be done. And so it is in this that we, we see this forgiving and this bearing with one another that we've got to ex 
exhibit this patience and this grace uh, with one another in forgiveness and in understanding that every single one of us is needing forgiveness. Not just because of sin with the Lord, but I can guarantee you that every single one of us has needed or has needed forgiveness from other people at one time or another. None of us are exempt from needing forgiveness. None of us. And so we've got to make sure that just as we desire for others to forgive us, that we must forgive those others around us. But these are three things that we've got to understand about forgiveness. That we are not to weaponize what it is that we've forgiven. Husbands and wives, specifically, this is an area where I see it happening on a regular basis where things from the past that you have apologized and forgiven one another for, when you have an argument down the road, it gets recalled and gets used as a weapon against your spouse. And that is not putting on the clothing of forgiveness. We can't do that. We can't weaponize what has already been forgiven. Second thing about forgiveness, we don't need to go and tell everybody else what we forgave. <laughs> I don't know if you heard Tina. Don't put it on social media either. <laughs> so we don't need to be gossiping. Yeah, gossip has taken on a whole new form in, in 2021, hasn't it? So I'm, I'm forgiving her, and so I need you to pray with me that I can really walk through this part of forgiveness. And meanwhile, Tina's going, ooh. <laughs> Shelly hasn't done anything, by the way. We're just picking on Shelly. She just. <laughs> but y'all, we, we come up with all sorts of ways to make ourselves feel good about sharing things that we have no business sharing. We need to make sure that we're not telling others about the what it is that we have forgiven. If we've really forgiven, then we're not talking about it with others. And the third thing about forgiveness is that we do not need to remind ourselves. Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm confessing. I, I, I struggle with this. I'm an analyzer, and in my analyzing, I like to rehash and rehash, and, and eventually all you've got left is no hash. <laughs> you just got mush. <laughs> so we've got to make sure that we're not dwelling and living and camped out in that place of forgiveness, but that we are truly forgiving and we're moving on and we're moving forward and we're being able to experience and to walk in. And one of the great things when we talk about these ideas and these issues about forgiveness and putting on forgiveness is that we don't have to 
make all this stuff up on our own. We don't have to uh, pioneer a path. Oh, but rather, all we have to do is follow the example, the precedent that has been set by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because what did he say? Oh, whether it's been the Lord's Prayer, oh, forgive us as we forgive others. Oh, whether it's oh, through time and time again, what did we understand? That our sins have been forgiven and cast as far as the east is from the west. That our sins have been forgiven and cast into the deepest part of the sea. And when they've been cast into those oceans, oh, that we do not need to get out our fishing pole and try to catch them and bring them back up. And if we don't do that with Jesus and our sin, then why do we do it with everybody else? And we've got to come to this point of really, and, and, and this is where the rubber meets the road for so many of us when it comes to our Christian walk. Because this is such a stumbling block to us. And it steals, the enemy uses it to steal our joy. The Satan uses it to eat away at us and create bitterness and resentment. And he uses this to steal the joy that God has designed us to live and to operate with. And today, on August the 15th, I want to declare, oh, that Satan has no foothold in my life or your life or this church's life. And that we are able to stand strong and stand free and be able to walk forward and say, God, you have forgiven given me and I I just I just find such a joy and contentment in that forgiveness and God I extend the same forgiveness to all of those that are around me and I'm going to bear with one another and each and every day I am putting on that garment of forgiveness each and every day I'm putting on that garment of compassion each and every day I'm putting on that garment of humility because I understand if it were not for God where would I be Hallelujah. And all of this, and putting on, if all these other three things are items of clothing, pants, shirt, belt, or shoes, or tie, or whatever, we come to this fourth and final thing. This would be, if you would, the coat that covers it all. And that's love. He tells us that we've got to, above all these things, clothe ourselves in love. Which is the bond of perfection. The bond of perfection. No longer are we to be the person that we used to be. No longer are we supposed to be the old man or the old woman that gave in to fleshly impulses and hatefulness. That we push those things out and crucify them and say, God, Clothing myself with love. One of the things about clothing styles is that they change, don't they? I remember growing up in the 80s. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, Tina said she wished I had brought out, brought out pictures. And no, we're not going to go there. So um, I, I, will, I will describe, you know, 
when I was, you know, good 80s, I, you know, I had the ski jump mullet, which was out of style then probably, but, you know. But it certainly was out of style for a long time. And then now what is it? It made its full circle, and so now some people think it's back in style. <laughs> bell bottoms. Any 70s people? Y'all have your bell bottoms. You love bell bottoms. They went out of style. And they came back in style. Are they back in right now? See, they changed. See? Things changed. Styles evolved. And, and things that were, you know, in the 80s, you know, ladies, you had to have the biggest hair possible. You know? You had to have it. That's right, Tina. That's right, isn't it? Make, you know? Got to feather that hair, you know? Got to have those wings. Got to wear the penny loafers with the penny stuck down in them with no socks, which is now back in style again, apparently. You got to roll your jeans a certain way. But all those things change. But this is what I love about God's Word. When we talk about clothing ourselves in Christ, there are some things that never go out of style. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the culmination of the love chapter, if you would. And it says, three things will last forever, meaning they never go out of style, meaning they'll never be uh, out of, of sorts. But three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And so each and every day, we've got to make sure that we are clothing, we are making the conscientious decision to put on and clothe ourselves with Christ. Many of ourselves, many of us, we are familiar with the old folk tale of the emperor and his new clothes. You don't know the story. The emperor was so prideful, he hired these... Uh, Tailors, thank you, <laughs> hired these tailors to come and make him some new clothes and hired that they had the, the weeds or the looms and they're trying to help him make it. And of course, they sat there empty and nothing was being done and nobody wanted to say anything. And so they go through this whole scam, if you would, of, of miming or pretending they're putting new clothes on the emperor and they're telling him that they're invisible and all this kind of stuff. And don't you see it? Even if you can't, we can. And and so the emperor was so prideful and so full of himself, what does he do? He goes parading down the street in his quote-unquote new clothes, which finally one, everyone was too scared to say anything. And there's usually one little boy somewhere in the crowd that goes, he doesn't have any clothes on. my mother-in-law for <laughs> bringing the point home there. <laughs> but here is why I share that story and remind us of it. The Lord calls us to put off the old man, put on our new, our new being. It means each and every day we've got to make the decision. What am I putting on? 
we don't need to have any emperor new clothes moments where we think we're clothed with Christ. But in reality, we are walking spiritually naked because we have not put on what Christ is calling us to put on. As the musicians come this morning, are we clothed? Humility and forgiveness and love. Because if we are, look at what the promise is of Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. If we will clothe ourselves with compassion and humility and forgiveness and love, there will be a peace that rules upon our life. There will be a peace like none other that rules. That there will be nothing that we can do to help but be thankful. And I think in verse 17 tells us that he will give us a go back I'm sorry it is verse 16 toward the end there that he will put a song in our heart singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with those thankful hearts see if we put on those clothes if we clothe ourselves with Christ that's where we find ourselves being ruled by the peace of God having thankful hearts and having a skip in our step and a song in our heart because why? Because we are clothed with Christ. You would stand with me this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you would say, Pastor, question is, if you would say, Pastor, there's an area of forgiveness or unforgiveness that I've really been struggling with. This morning, I'm ready to lay it down, and I'm ready to pray those prayers of forgiveness and really let go. That's you. Would you just slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As I prayed this morning, if you raised your hand or you didn't, and you should have, I just want to encourage you to Call upon the Lord. Let what you just acknowledge be your prayer. And as I pray, I'm going to be praying over us and be praying for those that raise their hands. But I can't pray in your place. And so I encourage you to and, and compel you to pray as well. As always, this altar is open. If you need this and desire to come and lay it before him. You let me pray with us today. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I love you and I praise you. 
God, I thank you that, Lord, that today, God, we can, Lord, make the conscious decision and choice to clothe ourselves with your spirit, your character, God, your compassion, the humility that you called us to uh, to, to walk and to live with. God, you've called us to, uh, to be clothed with forgiveness. Let us live and walk in that forgiveness. Let us uh, be able to come and to be able to say, God, we need hope to release and to let it go. And so we do that right now, God. So, Lord, for those that are struggling, God, in areas of unforgiveness, Lord, I pray that God, as they pray prayers of forgiveness, as they pray these prayers of saying, God, I purpose and choose to forgive blank. She purpose and choose to forgive so and so for this thing that they have done. I cancel all of Satan's authority in this area in my life and in this relationship. Lord, let it be so right now. Let it be so, God, right now. And Lord, as we forgive, Lord, let us also walk and have everything bound together, bonded together in love. That love, truly, that covers the multitude of sin and truly lasts forever. It is eternal. And so, God, I'm thankful that, Lord, that we can put it on today and know that we'll never have an issue with it going out of style. And so, Lord, I pray for blessings of that love and that compassion that humility and that forgiveness upon each and every person, upon us as a congregation today, God, that we can choose to love you and choose to love one another. And as we do, it helps us, God, to show those tender-hearted mercies and the kindness and the, and the gentleness, God. So, Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.